Neighbors, right? We all got them. Some are like right next to us. Some are just on the other side of the wall. Some are a couple miles down the road. But either way, we all have them. Some we want, others not so much. We always have these little quirks, right? these little nuances, these little annoyances. It just adds a little bit of flavor to our own lives. And let's be honest, right? If you don't have a neighbor that has those little quirks, I hate to tell you, but you might just be that neighbor. <laughs> but we love you regardless. But then we have those other neighbors. Right? They have the big quirks. Odd hours of hot tub usage. I mean, come on. Who needs to go to the hot tub at 1 in the morning? Funky parking lot designs or parking designs in the street? Just keep your car on the side of the road, okay? Unkept yards. What about that neighbor that has the funky smell emanating? I mean, how much beef jerky can one really make? Those little annoyances become rage-inducing triggers pretty quickly. So throughout our series, we've been digging through Matthew and over the last couple of months, we've been actually peeling back a lot of the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, James talked about oaths. And not simply that we shouldn't take oaths. Really, oaths are pretty pointless altogether. Personal integrity makes swearing by earth, swearing by Jerusalem, swearing by Albuquerque, by God. It's really just taking the level of an oath, right, to every word that we speak. Jesus calls us to avoid the legal niceties, or the weasel words, as James put it, and just simply let our yes be yes and our no be no. Today in Matthew, we're going to continue to peel back the onion, layer after layer of how Jesus calls us to act and think as members of the kingdom of heaven. We talked about murderers, we talked about divorce, we talked about oaths. Today we're going to talk about neighbors, neighbor Wilson, and finally... Next week, we're going to talk about loving our enemies. It seems that the simplest of things are not as simple as we once thought. So I think this is probably going to go over much better in this service. But how many of you guys have seen those quizzes on Facebook or on other media types, right, that says pretty much, you know, what's your IQ? Well, here's a test, 30-second test to tell you what your IQ is. Really? Okay. Or that quiz that tells you what flavor barbecue or what flavor chip you are on barbecue, okay, in case you're curious. And then you have the clickbait stuff, right? The 15 things that you need to know about the latest political scandal, sports team controversy, or celebrity catchphrases, whatever it happens to be, or the 15 things you need to know about internet IQ tests. They're fake. They're fake. Don't, don't trust them. I even got an email this week earlier about five reasons why my daughter needs to go to soccer camp. Four of them had to do with money. The other one was just getting her out of the house. So they're all over the place. So in light of that, I'm going to give you four tips today on how to deal with your neighbors, how to deal with insults, how to deal with the neighborhood legalities, how to deal with labor disputes. Yes, there are labor disputes among neighbors. And finally, how to deal with a neighbor wanting to borrow something else when they haven't even returned the last thing that they borrowed. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, starting Matthew 38, I'm start, sorry, Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, for tooth. but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who doesn't. Or, I'm sorry, do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. First, I think it's important that we actually lay a little bit of groundwork here. Because the question is going to come up, who is my neighbor? Well, James puts it this way. James, the book in, you know, in the Bible, not James sitting back there. But he would probably put it this way as well. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is, no, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? In this case, right, our neighbors are our brothers and sisters in Christ, those in this church, in this building right now. But we see many examples throughout the Bible 
that our neighbors are ones in close proximity to us, the ones actually living physically next to us, or the ones that are within our, within our circles. So for today, we're going to say that we are all neighbors, okay? So let's dig in. So, starting in Matthew 38, uh, or Matthew 5, 38. You have heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So what Jesus is really talking about here is called the law of retribution. And this comes, obviously, from the Old Testament. So let's look. Exodus 21, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot. Seems a little bit harsh, but maybe Leviticus has a little bit more to shine on this. Leviticus 24, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, the one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. We're starting to kind of get the picture here. And then again in Deuteronomy, show no pity. Life for life. Wow, we're getting a little deep here. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. The point is this. The punishment must fit the crime. This sentiment has been often used and abused for personal gain, for personal benefit. As hard as that is to believe, right, from us people, from us humans. So, I have a good example for you. In the 18th century England, in an effort to deter crime, right? no, everyone wants to deter crime, members of parliament, parliament felt that punishments should be as harsh as possible. They made over 200 crimes capital offenses. 200 crimes. And these were known as the bloody code, okay? And here's some good examples as to what can actually get you hung in England in the 18th century. Stealing sheep. Not like a whole flock, a ah, sheep gets you killed. Poaching fish. Now, I don't know if that refers to the cooking method of poaching or if it's actually just taking you know, fish illegally. I would just suggest if you somehow find yourself in 18th century England, don't do either of those, okay? And then finally, cutting down trees. This shows how quickly we could take something intended to protect and to help society as a whole to be used as retaliation and cruelty. The intent of the law of retribution was a step of mercy. It limited the retaliation and insisted that the punishment was befitting of the crime and set up guardrails for judges to ensure fairness. However, in typical Jesus fashion, he has a different perspective on this, a perspective that pushes us to look a little bit deeper. If we have learned anything here in the last couple of weeks, when you hear Jesus say, you have heard that it was said, just brace yourselves. It's a trap. No, no, I'm kidding. It's not really a trap. But really, just brace yourselves nonetheless, because we're going to have a new view here on the common understanding. So going back to verse 38, you have heard that it is said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, this is by no means promoting pacifism or allowing ourselves to be the chew toy of the evil world. This would be in direct contradiction to Romans 12, verse 9. Uh, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And then again in James 4, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But Jesus, Jesus does flip the tables on us and goes at the intent of the law of retribution and ruthlessly undercuts how we're thinking about this right now. Don't resist an evil person is what Jesus tells us to do. This isn't necessarily a new idea or a new concept. Psalms 37 mentions it a couple of times. In verse 1, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. In verse 8, uh, it says refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. And then we see this concept again in Proverbs. In Proverbs 24, verse 19, do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked. Verse 29, do not say, I will go to them as, uh, I will do to them as they have done to me. I will pay them back for what they did. We are to be proactive in defiance of evil in both the resistance of evil as well as removing ourselves from the presence or from the situations where evil might arise. What Jesus is really focusing on here, though, is for us to not try to keep up with the Joneses right, when it comes to evil. If your neighbor play some loud music at midnight, and it's awful music. Do not repay them by having a nice 6.30 a.m. wake-up call with Dancing Queen, okay? If your neighbor decides to accomplish some very important leaf-blowing activities at 7.30 in the morning, 
Don't start your more important leaf-blowing activities at 5.30, Lawrence. It is pointless and futile for us to try to compete with evil at the game of who's the most evil. This goes nowhere. There's nothing to be gained from it. Not only that, but as Christians, we're to be representatives of Christ. And what kind of witness will we be if we are playing tit for tat? Just let it go. Let it go. Oswald Chambers puts it in the only way that he can. Matthew 5.39 reveals the humiliation of being a Christian in the natural realm. If a person does not hit you back, it's because he's a coward. But in the spiritual realm, it is the very evidence of the Son of God in him if he does not hit you back. When you are insulted, you must not only not resist, but you must make it an opportunity to exhibit the Son of God in your life. And you cannot imitate the nature of Jesus. It's either in you or it's not. A person's insult becomes an opportunity for a saint to reveal the incredible sweetness of the Lord Jesus. So tip number one in dealing with our neighbors. Just let it go. Let it go. Tip two. Going back to verse 38, you have heard that it is said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. I can't help but think of little seven-year-old PD back in Sunday school thinking about this. When the Sunday school teacher mentions that a tunic essentially is your undergarments. My little boy head goes right to underwear. And if somebody wants to sue me for my underwear, go for it. I got more at home. If you really want those stinky drawers, I think you got some other problems that we have to deal with. But that's really just the point. The idea of allowing someone to take a tunic, it's an inconvenience. Because you have multiple at home. But at least that's what my mom told me when I was going off to school. You should always have multiple pairs of underwear. But once again, right, Jesus takes it even a step further. Exodus 22, 26, and 27 shows the importance of the cloak that we are supposed to give up. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out, I will hear, for I am compassionate. The cloak is needed. It's a needed requirement. And yet Christ, for some reason, is telling us to give up the cloak. You want my underwear? Have my suit. There's a couple of things here. We, we shouldn't forget who we're actually dealing with. Right? Who's the one that's suing us? Who's the one that's pursuing us? Our neighbor. Could be a brother and sister in Christ. Could be our physical neighbor. But the point is, we're still going to have to live life with these folks. We're still going to see them pretty regularly. And, of course, my iPad goes crazy right now. Okay, so just bear with me. I'm sorry. Okay. So we still have to interact with them, right? Proverbs 25, 8, do not bring hastily to court. For what will you do in the end if your neighbor puts you to shame? Ultimately, we are called to a higher standard. We should not allow pride, pettiness, Ourselves kind of get in the way of maintaining the peace between ourselves and our neighbors. Second Timothy puts it this way. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. That's what it says. Foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everybody. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents uh, must be gently instructed and the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. And when we actually stop to think about what it is we're fighting over, right, hot tubs, leaf blowing, poor parking jobs, ultimately it's all pretty petty. Ultimately it really doesn't mean much. So, but because we are human, we like to push the boundaries. So I'm going to tell you a couple of, of a couple of lawsuits that has come up in the last couple of years. These are 
actual lawsuits between neighbors. Okay? In Hawaii, there's a case over bees, a lawsuit over bees, and more specifically, a lawsuit over bee stings. A man in Kauai claims that he was stung not once, but twice by some bees and had to be rushed to the hospital. He blames his neighbor and files a $5,000 lawsuit. Now, okay, the neighbor does have some bees, some beehives in his backyard, but he claims it's a case of mistaken identity. <laughs> he says that the bees were safely inside of their own hive, minding their own business. I have like 7,000 puns lined up for this one, but I'm going to spare you. Right? When the bee stings happened, they were just doing their own thing. And he claims that other bees, not his bees, are to blame. This case is still pending. In St. Petersburg, Florida, a woman filed lawsuit over what she says is excessive smoke. Okay. From her neighbor's barbecue. Okay. <laughs> so she is so upset that she's actually called the county 14 times. 14 times. Don't we have something better to do with our day? Now, county officials are saying so far that the smoky barbecue is not violating any laws. Okay, so for those of you that are smoking a brisket, keep going. But even so, the neighbor plans to have her day in court. Most times, our arguments and our annoyances are just that, annoyances. Let's work to resolve our issues quickly. Ultimately, when dealing with our neighbors, we have to be kind, we have to be compassionate. It's difficult for us to build those needed relationships uh, with those who are seeking Christ or those simply watching to see who Christ really is if we are engrossed in all of these needless pursuits. So tip one, just let it go. Just let it go. Tip two, be kind. And now for tip three, let's take a look at some labor issues. We're going to go all the way back to 38. You have heard that it is said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Now, the Roman practice of commandeering civilians to carry military equipment or even a soldier's personal effects or even, as we saw in the crucifixion, a cross. Right? It was, this was especially infuriating to the Jewish community. Now Jesus touches on it, but instead of soliciting outrage and resentment, Jesus instructs, uh, Jesus' instructions intend to extend the service that we are to give, sacrificing our own personal rights for others, even those whom we might not consider our neighbors. Our concern for it should, should be that of our neighbors and not of ourselves. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We all have burdens, believers, non-believers alike. But just think of the impact that we could have. If we just sat down and had a little chat with our neighbor. If we just lent an ear to our neighbor, gave a little hug, sent a little note, a phone call, it doesn't really take all that much for us to help bear the weight of life. So our oldest daughter, Lily, she's five. She plays in this little soccer league, and it's not like the soccer that you would typically see on, on TV. Okay? It's not the World Cup by any stretch of the imagination. I like to call it hive soccer, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? These little masses of, of five-year-olds just running around with their poorly placed and ill-timed kicks, and there may or may not be a ball in the middle. It's really kind of hard to tell. <laughs> but it is fun, and it is entertaining to watch. But my favorite part about this, and this is kind of awful, but I like to watch the injuries, or the potential for injuries. Okay? Now, you are going to have some that actually you know, do kind of hurt themselves, right? They fall down, and that's okay. But there you have the more common injury, which is the injury to the attention span of the kid. And they just suddenly become statues. Sheer boredom has set in to the poor child. And no matter the persisting or the yelling or the cheering from the coach or the parents, that kid isn't going to move. But there is one little girl that can get that, get that statue to move. Lily is far more concerned with the welfare of others. She'll stop, make sure that they're all right, put her arm around, around them, 
kneel down, make sure that they're okay, just to, you know, help. She's concerned. Irregardless of how many times that hive goes past, Lily's not moving until that other person moves. This is how we help carry each other's burdens. Now, if she would just do that at home, that would really be helpful. (laughs) So, John 13, uh, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. So, tip three. Just take the time. Tip one. Just let it go, right? Tip two, be kind. Tip three, take the time. And now our final tip, borrowing from neighbors. Going all the way back to verse 38, you have heard that it is said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the left also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. We are called to give throughout the Bible, and this is absolutely no different. We are to give and give freely and be ready at all times to give. That doesn't mean we have to give without discretion. Psalm 112, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. We are to use discretion. We are to do it to understand the justice. There are a few things that we need to look at first. Firstly, we must look at ourselves. We must be willing to give. And then we need to learn to give more. And then we need to learn and give more, all the while leaning on God and trusting God. Secondly, we need to look at the individual who's asking. They're coming to us for a reason. As Xavier Miller always says, it must be a coincidence. Either this person understands that, you're, that we are Christians and are coming because of the compassion that we show, or God has brought them into our lives as a teaching. But we need to especially look after our own, right? look after our neighbors. If our neighbors are truly coming to us, we must help carry that burden. And here's the point. In order for us to be a good, good, good neighbor, we must have an eagerness and willingness to share and to lend. Second Corinthians chapter 8, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by the completion of it according to your means. For the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. We are a part of this earth, yes, but we are not a part of this world. Often we forget that our focus should be where we truly come from. We must be about the Lord's work, looking for opportunities. More importantly, taking actions on those opportunities. We have our citizenship in heaven, and the only concerns that we really should have comes down to meeting the necessities of life that we have. Again, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, have all that you need. You will abound in every good work. And lastly, if we are misled by a professional beggar, it's okay. It's better to be misled than to pass up an opportunity of someone in true need. So tip four. Give where you see the need. Tip one, just let it go. Tip two, be kind. Tip three, take the time. And tip four, give where you see need. With each progressive step, Christ continually cuts down our humanistic thinking and gently, and in some cases brutally, reminds us that we are called to something more. We are to be light in the darkness, shining his glory for all to see being the light to our neighbors, to our circles of influence, to our communities, to our church, and ultimately to the world. Showing that in order to shine the light, we must try to let go of competing with evil. We must resolve our issues quickly, be kind and compassionate, 
Take the time and share each other's burdens and give where we see the need. Next week, Christ is going to push us even further when we actually redefine who our neighbors ultimately are. So one last story. Kaylin Smith had been in foster care since age two until a judge actually sent him back to, to his mother when he was 17. Eventually, his mom kicked him out of the house. He spent the winter nights sleeping in a park while trying to finish high school. Uh, Smith had no bed, no documents, no shower, no food. So he goes back to his neighborhood. He goes to a little old lady, hoping just to get a bite to eat. But she didn't just give him a meal. She brought him into her home, gave him a bed, gave him food, gave him a roof over his, house, over his head, gave him a warm place to sleep, and even took him down to church where he was able to get a job, he was able to get all of his social security stuff taken care of. He says, she has been my backbone. She's my mother now. There it is, in action. Letting go, being kind and compassionate, taking the time and giving where there is a need. That's how we need to handle those funky neighbors. That's how we should handle everybody around us. Those little annoyances are just that, right? Annoyances. And really, let's face it, those neighbors, they're our family. Church, if you're looking for some neighbors, we are definitely not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And some of us might actually smell a little bit. But we would love for you to join us. Or if you'd like to know more about what it means to be a Christian, I encourage you to stop at the prayer team in the back. Find an elder, find a minister, pull him aside. Don't miss this opportunity to see who Jesus really is. Let's pray. Father, we have so many neighbors in this world. We thank you for the opportunity simply to be neighbors to others, for the opportunity to take the time, for the opportunity to be kind, for the opportunity to give where we see the need. We know just how much love you have for, for us, not just us inside these walls, but everybody. Father, I pray that you continue to mold us, to mold our views, to mold our vision, so that we can be more like you, that we could be a true neighbor. It's your name I pray.